emotions, dragons, Spider-Mans, emojis. It's a special episode of Gilded Films Animated Edition. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to our podcast episode. We are animated, but you obviously can't see us because this is a podcast. We are. It's like that episode. It's like that scene in Booksmart. Like we're just all of a sudden animated just for this hour going forward here. But we didn't take drugs to get there, I promise. Oh, boy. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is Brett, obviously joined by Christian once again. And this is, as Christian mentioned, a bonus episode of the Gilded Films podcast, continuing our series on counting down on some of the best aspects of the 2010s in film. Today, as you might have guessed, we are counting down our 10 favorite animated movies of the 2010s. And so there have obviously been a lot of great ones out there. Um, You know, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, all these studios that produce really great animated movies. We get to share our favorites today. So let's go through, um, once again... um, if you could rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any podcast that you listen to, we'd greatly appreciate that. It helps kind of um, get more listeners in, get more ideas in as we get to do fun stuff like this. So Christian, I know animated movies are kind of a big deal for you. And so this is probably a pretty special episode. Yes, indeed. Okay, so let's go ahead and just jump in, starting with our number 10. Would you like to lead us off? Yes. All right. So I know this isn't going to be on your list. And this is actually the only one on my list that was like the hardest one to place. So from 2016, this is a film called Your Name. And mm. it, have you ever heard of it, first of all? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it is from Japan, directed by Makoto Shinkai. Um, it's about two teenagers who find themselves in two various different stages of their lives until one day they switch bodies. This is a boy switching with a girl and a girl switching with a boy. Um, There's a whole issue with a comet approaching that I don't want to talk about because it's the big spoiler in the movie. Um, This is an anime film. Again, it's from Japan. It's in Japanese. I'm not sure if there's like an English dub. Don't watch English dubs, kids. Don't do that. Uh, beautiful <laughs> film. The main reason I wanted to put it on this list, though, is because it is one of the few non-Miyazaki anime films that I absolutely adore. Like, the animation is very beautiful in it. The story is very unique. There's so much more to why they switch bodies so much more to why a comet is so significant to both of these kids. Um, Makoto Shinkai does a great job with that. There's other films that he's directed that I really want to see. One is Weathering With You, which came out this year, which I actually got a screener for. Um, mm. If you ever see the poster to your name, uh, and if you are a letterbox follower out there, you will know of uh, Shinkai's movies because the posters are all the same. 
But no, a very good film. I highly recommend watching it. I remember when I got it from the library, I was so like, I need to watch this immediately. Yeah, obviously I've never seen it, but I've I've heard, like you mentioned, that it's like one of the most beautiful animated films out there. Um, I've heard a lot about just how beautiful it is. So that makes sense. Okay, so for my number 10, I had to go with one film from this series. Um, and that is the How to Train Your Dragon series, which I actually really, um, I watched all three once again this year in preparation for you know the new one, the third one. And that's actually the one I went with, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which just came out earlier this year, 2019. I've heard a lot of folks mention that the second one is their favorite, which I totally get, um, can't really argue with. But I, I really have a thing for really emotional animated movies that kind of conclude these chapters that we've grown used to and have followed these characters throughout and kind of see the conclusion of their stories. Um, the animation for this series in general and this movie in particular is, I think, very underrated. Um, the character designs, especially the dragons, are great. The landscapes are absolutely beautiful and really colorful. And this one really does. We do really get to see how these two characters, Hiccup and Toothless, have grown over these three films um, and how um, their story together is kind of changing and going through unexpected um, paths that they might not have seen coming. But um, as I think along in the future i might decide to go with one of the other two all three came out this decade although they were very well spaced out you know one every four or five years uh but for now how to train your dragon the hidden world is my number 10 and my favorite of that series it's such a mature series for yeah. dreamworks especially because dreamworks their movies are pretty inconsistent in terms of quality i mean yes you'll have it how to train your dragon and then you'll have the boss baby like, how is that how is the same company doing this but um the hidden world no again a good movie i sort of almost teared up in it because it's really yeah. the end of an era that should have been something more like hiccup yes. and toothless are growing up in this there's the new dragon love interest for toothless and the animation got even more mature in it. i'll just keep saying that yeah. word mature. Because it's amazing. And they use Roger Deakins in this series, cinematographer, to get lighting a fire down just right. Like, that's that's some, you know. That's commitment. That's effort, yeah. Well, I've heard some people talking about the Oscars this year. You know, that right now the animated race is kind of unpredictable with Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, and this film. And a lot of people have thrown around the idea of, you know, Toy Story 2 and 3, or Toy Story 3 1, Frozen 1. Let's go with How to Train Your Dragon so that series can finally get an Oscar, get some awards love too. So I, we'll see I if that have, happens. But I would have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. So, all right. What is your number nine? All right. My number nine is a film that stunned me so much. I was amazed at how cute it was how just well-written it was. And it's only 66 minutes. Mm. And from France, my second foreign film, it is My Life as a Zucchini, or Mave de Coguette. Yes, it is about a little boy named Zucchini. He's growing up in an orphanage after his mother dies. 
And it is just about him learning to live life amongst new kids, new experiences, and in this orphanage. It's the simplest movie ever. Um, again, it was dubbed Don't Do It, Kids. Watch the <laughs> version. It's adorable. It's charming. Again, it's only an hour and six minutes. It's a quick watch. The animation reminds me a lot of uh, Rankin and uh, Bass, who did Ooh. Yeah, it's that sort of claymation stop motion situation. Um, but no, very fun film. I believe it was nominated for the Oscar, which Zootopia won. If I yeah. was voting, I would have voted for my life as a zucchini. I'm not going to lie. Really? Okay. And very charming film overall, I must say. Once again, haven't seen it, but I've heard nothing but great things. Listeners, one thing you're going to catch is you get through, and like Christian says, is because I hate animated movies, but <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm not great. <laughs> I'm not great at getting to them, especially the uh, more low-key ones, um, especially when they're in theaters. So something I need to improve on for sure. But I met Brett, I met Brett in 2016 when I saw Moana. The boy just saw Moana this year for the first time. <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't argue. Okay. My number nine is one that I really did not expect to like as much as I did when I first saw it. And I, I didn't expect it to stick with me as much as it has um, to this point. And it is from... 2012 a movie called wreck it ralph from disney very cute movie i i love the concept there um takes place in a in a video game system i should say in the middle of like an arcade store where ralph is the villain of his game and for once he just wants to be the hero he wants to be the one that everybody throws up in the air and cheers for but he's the villain of his game and so he meets this um, this girl named Vanellope, who is a race car driver in a Candy Crush game type game. And she kind of has a glitch, so she's a little bit of an outsider as well. And so these two outsiders kind of band together to help each other out. Very, very sweet movie. The voice cast is awesome. You've got John C. Riley as Ralph. Sarah Silverman as Vanellope. I love her voice work in this. Jane Lynch is in it. Alan Tudyk, Mindy Kaling, Ed O'Neill. Solid cast for what I think is a pretty um, underrated Disney film from this decade. Not gonna lie, I've only seen the first 20 minutes of the sequel. I watched it on a plane one time. So I still need to get that. I know, it's weird. Top 10 movie of the decade, still haven't seen the sequel. But Wreck-It Ralph is one that I've seen at least two or three times. And it has a lot of charm and a lot of heart. So, my number nine. I will save my thoughts. Ooh. Oh, okay. All right. What is your number eight, then? Well, my number eight is also from 2012. And it's one that I rediscovered this past year with one of our um, other podcast episodes we did over 2012. And it's Paranorman. Hmm. Yes, uh, tells the story of Norman, who can see ghosts. It's sort of like a animated horror comedy because the dead start coming alive after like a centuries-old curse from a witch plagues the town. Um, it's really adorable. It's very heartfelt in terms of family. 
there's a whole situation with Norman and his grandmother who has passed away, and he can see her as a ghost, so they still have that nice communication. It's a very, that that whole felt very personal to me. Um, I know it felt personal to one of our other guest co-hosts, Toby. Um, and this also comes from the studio, and I want to get their name right because I feel like I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Leica, Leica Entertainment, who mm. really emerged in the past 10 years or so with Coraline, Kubo and the Two Strings, Paranorman, Box Trolls, and recently Missing Link. Uh, our good friend Zay, here's your shout out, loves Leica. Loves Leica. They have seen most of everything in the theater. Um, I can appreciate them too. It's such a great animation, especially with Paranorman. There's a lot of green to it because, you know, The Walking Dead is green zombies. But it's a fun film. God, Brad, I feel you haven't seen it, have you? No. This is like when we did horror with Zay. I hadn't seen any of theirs, and now I'm not. Haven't seen any of yours. I will say there. though. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I do have a slight connection to this film because when I visited LA and went to Universal Studios, they had like this big display because they were like working, like. I don't know why I was at Universal Studios, but there was like a little display there they had for showing some of the work being done on Paranorman. Um, so I've always like kind of thought of like, wow, I, I need to get to that because I like I think about that trip when I think about it. But yeah, I still need to get to it. It's such a heartfelt story too. like Norman tries to save the town and save his family. Oh, it's good. It's very underappreciated. I mean, Laika throws out some really good stuff. Especially in terms of horror, because mm. like Paranorman and Coraline are like, they're scary movies, but they're mature. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Okay, so my number eight is one that we've both seen, all our listeners have probably seen. So it's very popular from 2013. It is Frozen. Ooh. Yeah. Just rewatched it this year in anticipation for Frozen 2, which I'm hoping to see in the next week or two. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie when it came out. I don't enjoy it as much now as I did then, but it still holds up pretty well. There are some plot issues here and there. Like sometimes the plot is a little typical. There's you know, the villain isn't too great at some points, but um, and Olaf is definitely annoying at times. But when it works, it really works. Um, obviously, the Let It Go sequence is great. I love um, For the First Time in Forever. That's a really great song sequence, especially when Elsa joins in with Anna. Um, and the character designs and the overall landscape design of the animation is really quite what really well done. Um, very beautiful. And a really interesting take on a classic tale. Um, that I'm, you know, obviously was a very big deal for Disney. Kind of a nobody saw the box office thing coming. I mean, oh despite God. it being a Disney film and all that, as good as it did, nobody saw that coming. Um, and it does. It has a huge cultural impact. We've talked about the oversaturation of it. Um, but despite all that, I still think it's a really fun, really well-made movie. And honestly, I... I really enjoy The Wind Rises as well. I think it's a very good film, but I 
can't complain with um, where the Oscars went that year with Frozen because I really like it too. So mm-hmm. such a like a cultural landmark. Again, we spoke about this in our podcast detailing the songs. Everybody was singing that damn "Let It Go." Every couple was singing "Love Is an Open Door" in their cars at some point. Yes, that annoys the shit out of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but no, like Brett said, this movie works very well. Um, the only issue I have with it is the whole trolls situation. I They're there to force a love that I don't care about. Yeah. It's Disney. You have to have that love connection, I guess, when it's a princess movie. Um, that could be totally gotten rid of and it would be fine. Olaf is annoying as hell. The love people felt for him in 2013. Ugh. Yeah, I, but I will say because I have seen Frozen two, he gets better. That's what I've heard. Yeah, um, the animation is really nice in this. I heard that it was actually rushed into production. So, wow. Compared to the animation, the sequel, the animation, the sequel, you can tell it. They really developed it very well for certain things, but the Let It Go sequence, I mean, still making the castle. Like how mm-hmm. beautiful blue and purples work together. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, Christian, what is your number eight? All right. My, or sorry, seven. eight or seven? Seven, number sorry. Seven. You normally go first through these things. <laughs> You're right. I know, my I'm confusing seven, myself. My number seven is a movie from 2014, and it was considered actually one of the biggest snubs at the Oscars that year. It is the Lego movie. Mm. Yes. So this movie I will never forget because I wrote a Facebook status in 2013 saying, who wants to pay to see a movie of toys I have in the basement? (laughs) Boy, how wrong was I? Because I remember seeing this opening weekend with a packed crowd of children and none of them were laughing, but I was laughing at how amazingly funny, amazing adults and even watching it last year, how current it is to our current political climate. Like, mm-hmm. there's talk in it about politics and economy that you will hear on, like, CNN and, like, ABC News and your local news. It's so weird. Again, Lego movie made entirely of everybody's favorite bricks. It tells the story of Emmett, voiced by uh, Chris Pratt, before he got all weird on us. He's like the special who has to save everybody on Taco Tuesday (laughs) from the evil Lord Business who's like, you know, Donald Trump. Did I say that? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's hilarious. I'm so surprised how adult it is too. Like no kids are laughing at any of the pop culture jokes except me. I'm a kid at heart when it comes to these animated films. But yeah, one of my favorites, like of all time in terms of animated which is why it's on this here list there you go yeah i I just i i still can't believe this wasn't up for the oscar that year which eventually went to big hero six honestly should have gone to how to train your dragon 2 if you ask me between those that were nominated but will arnett is just a great batman i'm really glad they did their own lego batman movie a few years later because that one is also quite awesome so yeah Good pick. Everything is awesome. Okay. My number seven is one, once again, from 
2012. I think we've had three or four from that year already. This one from Don Hertzfeld, and it is It's Such a Beautiful Day. Not oh. your typical, yeah, not your typical charming family animated movie. It is very much an adult geared film, only 62 minutes long. Um, but it follows a stick figure named Bill and kind of goes with his, um, he's faced this life threatening illness. Um, it's actually the film version of an animated short film trilogy from Hertzfeld, who is very popular for his bands, television commercials and all involving like stick figures. And um, but this one has some really beautiful and really profound images. Um, as we follow Bill, it's not a typical narrative. It's very experimental. There's a sequence near the end where he keeps doing the same thing over and over and over and doesn't seem to realize it. And basically kind of begins to um, lose his sanity uh, as he deals with his illness and through his, his psyche um, as he kind of comes to terms with his world and as it's all kind of coming down. Um, yeah. The ending it, it's really beautiful and I don't really know how to describe it other than it's very experimental and he experiments with a lot of different images in it. And so it's not one that I think, I think you should watch it with care and try to pull your meaning from it, but don't expect some type of conventional and all answering narrative with this one. It's very different, but it's a beautiful day, 2012. It's a very complex movie. Let's say that. <laughs> very, very, much yeah, so. very complex emotions. Um, I watched this for, again, for our podcast in 2012. It's different. Yeah. I don't think I loved it as much as people hyped it up to be, but I like the animation of it. It is very, very minimalistic. Yeah. I mean, it is stick figures. You can't, you know, you can't go wrong with that. So, but the story is very deep. Like It is. You don't want to be a person who's sad all day and then go and watch that because it ain't going to help none. <laughs> yep. But it's good though that we get movies that are animated and aimed at adults. I must say that. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. What is your number six? All right. My number six is the first of the series and it is how to train your dragon from mm. 2010. Yeah. I unfortunately didn't get to see this in theaters. That sucks because now looking back on it, watching on the TV, it is beautiful. Um, the series has just progressed in animation since then. This is the very start of the journey of Hiccup and his dragon Toothless, who he trains because that's the titular title. Um, very good story about it's a very good coming of age story, even though it has to do with dragons, you know, imaginary creatures, what have you. Very beautiful score, some epic scenery in the skies flying around. And I mean, if I could, I would just include this whole series right here at number six because they just get better. Like this for me is, I like two a whole lot. I like one just because it's a great foundation for more things to come. Three is also brilliant as Brett said. This is just a very great series from DreamWorks. Again, like I said, mm -hmm. inconsistent fuck with their movies. <laughs> and then you get like the Model Trainer Dragon series and it's like, are you sure they made this? Yep. So that's my views, and that's my number six. Have trained a dragon. 
Yeah, th- this is one that like when I f- I did see it in theaters back in what 2010 when it was released, and it yeah. it didn't really sit with me a whole lot then. I mean, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was that great, but now that I've watched it nine years later, I get a lot more out of it. Um, this three movies, they're just very consistent um, between all three for me. Like I personally, I wouldn't give any of them like a full like five star rating, but like they're all a very consistent highly rated series for me so very nice and this this is actually one of the first big popular animated films of the decade because i'm pretty sure it came out in march of 2010 too yeah yeah and we and yeah animated aren't they don't come out every single weekend it takes like once a month at least so yeah yeah, that was the start of a pretty big year because I'm pretty sure that was also the year the first Despicable Me came out. Um, Toy Story 3 came out that year. And so kind of a, a big start to the decade. A couple franchise builders in the beginning of a fra- or near the, the end of a franchi- franchise, I guess. But yeah. Okay. So my number six is one from 2016. It was... Um, the Oscar winner that year, and it is Zootopia. So wow. this is the story of Judy Hopps, who is a a bunny who wants to become a police officer in the big city, leave the small farm, go to the big city, which of course is all made up of anthropomorphic animals. Um, what we kind of see here, though, is not a typical detective story though it does have those elements it's kind of like a fun detective story in an animated film for children but also for adults as well it really is also a comment on class difference and um continued segregation i think is definitely plays into this um so yeah just a rich comments um animated film comment on race and the oppression of different um individuals this time using different animal species to kind of reflect that all built around a fun um mystery detective story as well so number six zootopia 2016 uh this this almost made my list i'm sad it didn't but i really like it don't get me wrong um my dad shows this a lot he likes to show it in spanish to his class he's a spanish teacher um i watched it recently and yeah, it holds up very well, I must say. Very, very current news, like you said, with class and racism differences. Which is interesting for an animated film, but hey, yeah. teach the kids young. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully they pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hear your number five. All right, my number five was mentioned, and it is Wreck-It Ralph from 2012. Mm. I recently watched it last year in anticipation for Ralph Breaks the Internet. I like Ralph Breaks the Internet. Sorry, Zay. There's a shout out. <laughs> oh, where are you? Where are you too? Um, but Wreck-It Ralph is so fantastic. Like you said, Brett, very underrated Disney film. It came out a year before Frozen, and Frozen stole the thunder of Ralph, unfortunately. Um, takes place... In a computer system, gaming system, Ralph is trying to place where he trying to find a place where he belongs because he is the villain of his story. And Fix It Felix Jr. is the hero that he sort of is jealous of. 
He meets Vanellope in Candy or Sugar Rush. I'm sorry. Uh, a fun little interactive game with King Candy, who's in control of this world, who Vanellope and Ralph want to get rid of for reasons I won't spoil. Because as it turns out, I know a lot of people who still haven't seen this. Again, mm. it's, it's like a forgotten movie, but it's so good. It has a great message of hey, you can be a big bad guy sometimes. You could also end up the hero. It's okay to be both because Ralph is a villain turned hero, really. And yeah, I do enjoy the sequel too. I will say, and only because it brings out that like Disney princess nostalgia. And there's a song in it that I just died when it first appeared when I saw this last year. Yeah, I do have Disney Plus now, so I guess I don't have a great excuse. Yay! Corporate marketing. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. My number five movie is one that most people might say is a little low. Um, I imagine a lot of people would put it as probably the best animated film of the decade. And I actually, I couldn't argue with them, but it is my number five. And it is from 2015 Pixar's Inside Out. I think we got to remember this was a time when Pixar's last three films were cars Two, brave and monsters university oh lord yeah i actually like monsters university quite a bit but it's not their best stretch of movies this one i i just remember the the context around it being that wow pixar is back you know this is the pixar we want it's a new story it's original it's extremely thoughtful it's very great for children but it's also very great for adults teenagers whoever you know anybody can access this movie and really appreciate it. Um, it is a story of little Riley and all of the emotions inside um, her head who are personified. Great cast. Obviously, Amy Poehler is joy. Phyllis Smith as sadness is really great. Bill Hader is fear. Mindy Kaling is in there. And really, a really great character in this movie that I know we all love and that makes us very sad when we watch this Bing Bong his appearance in this movie is absolutely wonderful. And this is another one of those Pixar movies that really, it can really get you. It can really hit you in the motions. Um, pun unintended. But um, by the time you reach the end, it's hard to not be a little teary-eyed as we watch the journey these emotions go through in both understanding themselves, understanding the other emotions, and understanding Riley, who they are um, living inside of. And so... Really great movie. Probably, you know, one of Pixar's best, objectively, maybe the best animated movie to come out this decade. Um, for me personally, it's my number five. Well, to keep the conversation rolling, Inside Out is my number four pick. Wow. Dun- okay. Yes. I know. Everybody thinks I love this movie. And I do. I love this movie. I think my top five are movies I absolutely love. Inside Out made me. Again, with the pond, feel. I saw an opening night with a bunch of children and coming out of it, I was like, how are these kids going to understand this movie? Because these are such complex emotions to have joy and sadness work together to bring a little girl into like the balance, the balance of the force, to bring her into balance, to make sure that she knows that her emotions can act certain ways. And without these emotions, she's sort of like this empty void 
like. I know people are saying that other movies feel like this. I can't even name a movie that feels like this, where emotions are telling you how to feel. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Poehler's great in it. Phyllis Smith is amazing in it as Sadness. Like, talk about great casting choice there. But the film, and Bing Bong, of course. Um, but yeah, the film is just chock full of emotions, again, with the puns. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just yeah. great. It's brilliant. Uh, the animation is really cool. And I especially, the animation is cool of the characters, but especially the part where Joy, Sadness, and Bing Bong go through like these different sort of animation techniques. It's like, mm, yeah. That's pretty cool. Like they go from 2D imagery to flat to like Picasso style. That's fun. And the whole Bing Bong situation, <laughs> like. <laughs> And the second time I saw it at theaters, I'm like, wait a minute. Fuck. <laughs> like, take it me, Joy. So like sad. That, I, my imaginary friend was George. So I got, I Aww. felt that with why Bing Bong was such an important character. And I will say that probably in order of importance, it's probably joy bing bong sadness because bing bong would not have been made without joy Mm, true good point welcome to my ted talk about this (laughs) yeah that scene is a tearjerker wow and i mean i'm so glad that it won best animated feature but pixar also had the good dinosaur come out the same year this came out in 2015 like what a terrible like let down why would you <laughs> that movie's awful like i i was kind of nice to it when i first saw it. no that movie sucks like this came out in june good dinosaurs november but they're so they're on the opposite spectrum good dinosaur is such a letdown from what i mean i don't think you can do a good follow-up to a movie like inside out in the same right. damn year wait a year throw good dinosaur on dvd whatever i don't care inside out's where it's at yeah. And I know somebody who likes the good dinosaur more than Inside Out. Ooh. I don't know if they're listening right now, but if you are, hey. <laughs> Hard disagree. Yeah, Inside Out is great. Okay, well, I don't know if I'm going to be continuing any trends here. Probably not. Um, but my number four animated film of the 2010s is Toy Story 4, which just came out this year. Whoa! I I have to say I did not think I would have to defend this film like I keep having to defend this movie. I mean, like I keep seeing things on Twitter like people trashing it. They call it a disappointment when it came out, and it got great reviews. Don't get me wrong; I think most people do enjoy the movie. But this movie is awesome. This movie, I'm gonna make like a a bit of a hypothesis that. I think there are some real good critiques of this movie that I understand, but I think most of the problem that people has for it is they just find it so unnecessary after Toy Story 3, mm-hmm. which I get. But watch the movie and, like, take it in first. And, like, I guess what I would say, and this is going to be a very mild spoiler, so you might pause for, like, I don't know, 20 minutes, skip forward, but 20 seconds, sorry, skip forward. <laughs> but... The thing is that Toy Story 3 was the end of their story with Andy. Okay. Mm -hmm. This series has never been about Andy. He's a very important character, but this story is about Woody and Buzz. That's what this series is about. And we needed to see their 
conclusion in this way. It, you saw me cry when this was in theaters. It brought me to tears. It's one of my favorites of this year. I think it's spectacular. Um, that being said, probably the least great Toy Story film that I definitely agree with, but that just goes to show you how amazing this series is. It's my favorite of all time, obviously. So number four, Toy Story 4. I love it. No shame whatsoever. Who'd you see it with, Brett? I saw it with Christian, who invited me to a press screener um, about a week before it actually premiered, and that was amazing. Great experience. And to keep the ball rolling, let's go backwards because my number three is toy story three okay so we're gonna go from four to three uh again this is like brett said the conclusion of the toy story with andy the original owner this is where people thought oh this is it this is the last toy story movie and again it's the last one with andy and it's so fucking excuse me sad (laughs) okay he's like oh if you're gonna say it's so good it's good but it's sad that's all this movie is is sadness i guess it's a happy sad thing but whatever i cried this is the first movie that i've ever cried in 2010 saw it opening weekend in a sold out imax crowd i walked out with the imax 3d glasses on me because i did not want people to see me bawling from what i had just seen and what got me was one, the toys are in the incinerator and the so long partner, which that in and of itself, just so long partner, that mm-hmm. is the end of the end. that phrase that right line. there. I mean, this is the, this is not the toys in a house setting. This is the toys in the outside world setting in a great escape situation because they don't want to stay in this preschool that's like satanic, let's just say, with Lotto. It's a very chaotic preschool. But it's like, yeah. what are you trying to say with his gang and his friends? Like, he always will. And Buzz mm-hmm. is helping along. Buzz gets trapped in Lotso, his devious plot. And it's literally about finding your owner and finding who your friend is. And it was always Andy, but Andy can't keep these toys forever. And he knows he has to give them up. And it's like, he gives them to this little girl, Bonnie, who we see more of in the shorts and then in Toy Story 4, that she'll take care of them for him and that everything will be okay. So long, partner. It's it's the fact that we don't know that Woody is leaving too. Like we think Woody is going with Andy, which makes it a little less sad. Yeah. And then he just shoots us in the heart and goes in the box. Oh. Old man Woody. There's, there's always something to do with a box in these movies. That's true. That's because very the true. First one, the first one is they're moving. The second one mm-hmm. has Jesse's whole situation. This one has Woody having the chance to go with Andy, but getting in the box. The fourth one starts out with Bo Peep leaving in the box. Oh my gosh. Wow. Welcome to, my, welcome to Conspiracy Theories. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love it, though. Yeah, Toy Story 3, it's the best, I must say. You know what? I think I love it even more than 1 and 2. <sighs> Such a tough debate. So, it, it's between I'm 1 and 3 for me. 1 and 3, um, those are the two best by far. Not by far, but they're, they're, they're amazing. 
So yeah. And this is sandwiched in between Up, which is a oh my god. I could do a whole podcast on Up. And then yeah. Cars too, but we don't talk about Cars too. Yeah. Exactly. So. All right. Well, I'm going to continue the Pixar trend. What I mean, they're the best, you know, they, they so they're going to be near the top. My number 3 is from 2017, Coco. <laughs> yes. Um like I've said um in the previous podcast, one of Pixar's best this story of um little Miguel and he is traveling through um, on the day of the dead, traveling through the other side and meets up with his late family. The and... other side. Sorry, I was pulling up IMDb while I was talking. So I was a little behind the land of the dead. He goes to the land of the dead and he um, finds his family and there is this dilemma that he he doesn't belong in the land of the dead. He has to go back so that they can go, and so he can go put their picture back up so they can come and see the family. And it's really it really is an inside look into um, the culture of the Day of the Dead and the tradition and the custom behind that, while also just being a really fascinating family story. Um, very beautifully told the land of the dead the design the animated design of that place is absolutely spectacular um honestly some of the best animation work disney has ever done obviously the music is great i love miguel's association with music and how that connects him to his um late what is it great great grandfather um and how they kind of come together and it's really, he's a super fun character to follow. It is one, once again, one Pixar film that really tugs at the heartstrings and brings on the tears by the end. A really great movie to watch with the family. Like if I was going to watch, like recommends a Disney Pixar film based simply on family, it's probably Coco. So mm -hmm. that's my number three. Well, to keep the ball rolling, my number two is also Coco. Oh, 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 I know. I'm Whoa. shocked. Damn. I was, I was like, there's no way that's not your number one. Wow. The biggest, the biggest gag plot twist of them all. Yes. Coco is my number two. However, I mean, if we were doing like a tie situation, well, my number one would be what my number two is. They'd probably be tied, but we're not doing ties. But yes, Coco is such a cultural staple for my family especially i come from a hispanic family so like watching this and introducing it to various family members was like a big deal for me back in 2017 2018 when most of the family saw it on dvd netflix um when my grandmother passed away we we some of us actually like kept posting remember me on facebook for obvious reasons um but my aunt was like oh well she's now with grandma coco and I was like, that's a weird way to phrase that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, this movie, though, meant so much to me watching it the first time. And I spoke about this when we did our music episode, but the song Remember Me, when Miguel and Coco sing it together, that punched me and slapped me in the face so many times. I had to cry. Like, I felt that connection not only with one grandmother, but two grandmothers that I had. As you know, we all have two grandmothers. Some of us have more. 
but that's another part. No. <laughs> but no, that song is perfect. The entire score is perfect. Like Brett said, the animation is some of the best that Disney Pixar has done, especially the introduction to the Land of the Dead, walking through the field of marigolds. Like, oh my God. And I was just like waiting for it, seeing it in theaters, and then it happens, and the beautiful score. Oh, I could go on all day. But I will also say, watch this if you get a chance in Spanish. It is the same feeling, but having it in a language that may be unfamiliar to a lot of people, but a subject that is very familiar for millions. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool experience. Like, I finally saw it in Spanish this year after, like, telling myself, I need to watch it in Spanish. I need to watch it in Spanish. It's something totally different, and it's still tugs at every single heartstring. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. And Brett's just so shook it's not my number one. I, I'm like racking my brain trying to figure out what your number one is now. This is wild. It'll be really interesting to see if it's the same as my number two. So I'll just jump into that. My number two animated film of the 2010s is from last year, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. <gasps> What could be your number one? <laughs> my, my number one is probably not a shocker to most folks, but um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is this movie just completely caught me by surprise. I mean, I know it's like we don't need another Spider-Man movie. We needed this Spider-Man movie, and I didn't know it until you and I went and saw it together in theaters, and I was just completely blown away by it. Um. For a number of reasons. One being the like downright evolutionary revolutionary animation of this thing. Um, they incorporate comic book elements into it. The visual style and the movement is really striking. Um, there's a real vibrancy and kind of electric feeling to how it works with the music in the film. The soundtrack is very big part of this, as I kind of mentioned in our last podcast episode. And the characters in this movie are outstanding. Miles Morales is someone that I know comic book fans have been waiting to see in a movie for a while. Does not disappoint here. Um, I really love the older Peter Parker played by Jake Johnson, which by the way, the cast of this movie, you've got like Mahershala Ali, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Lily Tomlin as Aunt May, Zoe Kravitz as Mary Jane. Nicholas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The cast is amazing. Like, what an ensemble. A lot of fun. There's a lot of meaning to this. It's a very diverse diverse version of Spider-Man and a superhero movie in general. And one that really resonated with a lot of people. And I'm glad because it's it's a great movie that's so rewatchable. I just bought it on Blu-ray because I know it's one that I'll watch for years to come. So that's my number two. And my number one happens to be... The same movie, Spider-Man really? to the Spider-Verse. Yes, okay. Very, again, it. very surprising film that you and I went to go see. I knew nothing about it. I had seen no trailers, no real advertisements. We were just recording the podcast, and I was like, hey, we, you want to go see Spider-Man? And you said, yeah. And we did. The animation blew me away, as it does everybody. I was actually talking with a co-worker the other day and a manager explaining what this movie is about and what this animation is like and trying to convince the manager to watch it Mm -hmm. because it is much like a comic book story where you have a lot of the pixelated dots a lot of the what would you call it like the 
words popping up like boom, crash, all that. It's very traditional comic yeah. book with Miles Morales, who's such a fun, likable character. He's even more likable than Peter Parker, I must say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a Spider-Man movie that we need. It's unfortunate that we can't get like a live action African-American slash Puerto Rican actor to play the character. But this is yeah. like great idea to do this. And especially because we're dealing with a multiverse of characters with different types of animation. My favorite being Peter Porker. Uh, <laughs> uh, played by the wonderful John Mulaney. I mean, this is just, I don't know. I think the only reason why this beats out Coco is because this, Coco, I had every expectation to love it. This, I had no expectation to like it, love it. Again, I didn't know what it was about even and i came out of it like holy shit this is kind of cool like this is even more than cool this might win something and sure enough it did what many seem always impossible it beat disney at the oscars yeah which is like hey when you get that chance you're something it didn't make a whole lot like it should have at the box office because i think people are like spider-man animated we don't need it but like what an opportunity for people who didn't get to experience it in the theater for real. I mean, I know like those people who said like, we don't need another Spider-Man. I mean, I get it. I get it. Go watch it. And they finally did. And they're like, oh, wow, you're right. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And not only did it beat Disney, it beats the Disney sequel that we waited 14 years for. Um, <laughs> Incredibles 2. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, that is at the time it wasn't it didn't seem like an upset because it was winning all these awards but it just shows you how good it was how much it resonated with people including oscar voters so and it came out the last possible month for movies in december of 2018 incredibles has been out since june at this point like yeah i must say too as some people know i am part of the kansas city film critics this movie came out the same weekend as The Vote. And let me tell you what, it was a close call between this and Incredibles because this almost did not win. If it were not for the people who had seen it that weekend, it probably would not have won. If I would not have seen it that weekend, I mean, it probably not, it would not have won. Wow. Yeah. Thank goodness you saw it. Well, thank you because you went with me. <laughs> So yeah, surprising pick at number one, but I love it because I love that movie. Um, and I'm going to close things out with our number one here. And once again, our top three movies for each of us are not right in order, but same vein. My number one is, of course, what else could it be from 2010 Toy Story 3? Okay. Okay. I was <laughs> like, what are you going with here? Yeah. So... Obviously, I love Toy Story 4 as well. I thought about pairing them together, but I want to get in their own little spot and make sure to give Spider-Man enough credit. But like you, Toy Story 3 destroyed me. It still mm-hmm. destroys me. It's one that this and the few times I've seen Toy Story 4 three times now, like they're the only movies that like not only made me cry, but made me cry every time I watched them. Um, they just have that impact. Like you said, the So Long Partner the i think what makes it so difficult not difficult but really emotional is that although this isn't really andy's story we kind of grew up with these toys in the same way that andy has um through these films through the merch the toys if you bought them yourself and so it is almost like 
in the end of this film, we are saying goodbye to these toys too, as members of the audience. Um, although we know that's not the case. Toy Story 4 came out this year. The scene in the incinerator is also like chills. Um, when we I think they're about they were, to die. I thought they were going to die. Oh yeah. And it's when Woody like gives up, like Woody never gives up, but then he gives up. He's like, I'm just going to hold your guys's hand and we're just going to do this together. And it's like, holy shit. They're actually, they might actually die. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> but it, it's a very, bittersweet ending knowing that their story gets to go on they get to continue to serve their purpose make another child happy bitter in that we have to, they had to say goodbye to their owner in the process but that's just how it goes this movie like makes you love your toys <laughs> like your childhood toys like find them and hold them close but yeah my number one toy story three honestly a lot of great films but that's it's one of my favorite films of the decade and so it was always going to top this list. I am satisfied with this list. Same. Feel it. Okay. Christian, do you have any honorable mentions you want to run by? Yes. Um, okay. Uh, Zootopia, which Brett spoke about. Frozen, which Brett also spoke about. Big Hero 6, <laughs> uh, which won against the Lego movie. I... I like Big Hero 6. Uh, the win is... Yeah. yeah. How to Train Your Dragon 2 and... How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 3. Uh, and then three movies not mentioned. The first is Isle of Dogs. I really enjoyed that from Wes Anderson. Last year? Yes, last year. 2018. Seemed like so long ago. I've only seen it once, but I mean, it impacted me. It was good. Uh, lost my dog this year, so... I don't know if I really want to see it you know in the upcoming days but whatever the book of life which i that was my original day of the dead movie until coco came around it is another day of the dead story it's different very different animation a very different story instead of using very cultural mexican music they use pop songs that they give it like a little mariachi flair but it's good it's a very interesting story in terms of how you get to the land of the dead and then the plot from there and it is a love story but hey and then finally one that you can watch now if you're listening arthur christmas which i only watched mm-hmm. about a year ago maybe two years and that was just a very surprising film it came out in 2011 and when i watched it i had no idea what it was but i liked it a lot and i saw it on wow. tv the other day and i'm like i need to record this again and it's simply santa's son has to save Christmas when he loses the bag of toys. Go from there. Oh, okay. Interesting. Very nice. Um, I had some honorable mentions, both that you mentioned that and that were on your lists. Um, Lego movie, Isle of Dogs, um, Lego Batman movie. We mentioned yeah. Incredibles 2. I enjoyed that one. How to Train Your Dragon 1 and 2. Um, a few others. I... I enjoyed Finding Dory. Um, that was another one that Disney kind of beat itself that year. It didn't even get nominated, I don't think. Um, and honestly, underrated movie, in my opinion, is I think it's from 2011. Let me double check here. Yes, 2011. The Adventures of Tintin from oh. Steven Spielberg. All right. That was like a animated 
little more children's based kind of young Indiana Jones type thing for me. So yeah. not a great movie, but a, a really enjoyable one that I enjoyed. So he won the globe for that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Nice collection of movies here. This was fun. It was. I'm glad we did this. I like this category a lot. I did too. And there have been a lot of great animated movies to come out this decade. So nice to give them some appreciation too. All right. Well, thank you once again for tuning into this episode of the Gilded Films podcast. As always, if you could give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, um, rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're available basically any place you can find them. Um, you can also visit our website, www.gildedfilms.com. Theme music was composed by Joshua Arnoldi. And we will be back soon with yet another countdown from an aspect of the decade of the 2010s in movies. So be checking out for that. Be following our website for all the award season updates. And Christian, you got any closing thoughts for us? Hmm. It's going to be an interesting race this year for Best Animated Feature. But you say that. Yes. yes, I agree. Thanks for letting us do this. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.